Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast. I'm Jack Murley, and each week myself and co-host professional rugby player Charlie Beckett sit down and, with your help, talk wrestling, fantasy booking, and generally shoot the breeze about everything happening inside and outside the squared circle. Except today I'm here alone, and last week we weren't here at all, and we owe you all an explanation about what's been happening at the podcast. Are you ready for story time with Jack Murley? The first thing you need to know about where we've been is that sometimes we record two episodes at the same time. If Charlie and I have something that means we can't record an episode for a particular week, if one of us is going on holiday or has a work commitment, we might record two episodes back to back, like they used to do with Monday Night Raw back in the day. One is live, one is taped. We record one episode about a day's events and about a week's events, and then we'll do something that's timeless, like a draft or a Hall of Fame episode or whatever it may be. That's the first thing you need to know. The second thing you need to know is that when we say Charlie Beckett is a professional rugby player, we really mean it. And coming with being a professional rugby player is the potential for injuries. And the night before Charlie and I were set down to record two weeks worth of Earning the Push podcast, I get a message from Charlie who is sitting in an A&E department with a busted open bottom lip. Now, we've put the photos up on our social media feed. If you're squeamish, I'll give you a warning. They are quite something. And for wrestling fans, the best way I can describe it is, you know when Mick Foley could push a tooth through that hole in his bottom lip after coming through the cell? It's not dissimilar to that. And the bottom line is that Charlie literally was unable to talk because of the injury he sustained to his bottom lip. So we were in a situation where Charlie not only couldn't record one podcast, but we had two to do on the bounce. And we decided the best thing to do was just not to put one out last week because it would have been ridiculous. Charlie couldn't talk and he had been in A&E till the early hours of the morning. It was just ridiculous. Now, you're probably thinking, well, why couldn't you tell us that last week? Well, Charlie is a professional athlete, and when you are a professional athlete, the last thing you want to do is let any of your opponents know you are carrying an injury or carrying a knock. In Charlie's case last week, a busted open bottom lip. So we literally weren't able to tell you what had gone on, which is why we couldn't give you an explanation as to what happened last week. Now, the good thing is that Charlie is on the mend. He's recuperating nicely. So next week, we'll be back in business as we always have been. Um, But this week, we have to do something because we missed last week and we were meant to record two last week and we need to give you some content and with Charlie recuperating we thought what would be quite nice to do is take a trip down memory lane and look at the year so far in professional wrestling and how we've reflected on it on earning the push so these are almost our best bits it's a chance for us to look back at some of the discussions we've had and also to see how right or wrong we were about various things and putting this together has been quite nice because it's allowed us to relive what a huge year 2021 really has been in professional wrestling So over the course of this episode, we're going to hear in no particular order about our reaction to the release of Bray Wyatt, the revamp of NXT, CM Punk returning, Adam Cole and Brian Danielson debuting it all out, Brock versus Finn, Danielson versus Omega, NXT 2.0, and so much more. All coming up on this trip down memory lane for a special episode of the podcast. Have you been any less likely to watch WWE in the months since Bray Wyatt has been off television? Not because Bray Wyatt's been off television. So if you're WWE and you're going through your roster and you're thinking, we need to make some cuts, we need to get rid of some folk, 
Have our ratings gone down without Bray Wyatt? Has what we're doing gone down without Bray Wyatt? No, it hasn't. We can probably afford to lose him. Now, it's short-term thinking, but it does seem to me that WWE can justify losing him in terms of what they've been able to accomplish without him. It is so short-term thinking, I think. It's so narrow-minded. If you look back to the start of Bray Wyatt, I think that is where it all went wrong because I do think the best gimmick he had, the best incarnation of Bray Wyatt, was a leader of the cult leader of the Wyatt family. Of they live in the woods. Like how how believable was it? You would get lost in the woods and stumble into these giant blokes who are doing all sorts back there, and that would be scary. That's like horror movie sort of scariness, and it's believable scariness. And the more supernatural he got, the more of a shelf life you put on him. I think because anything supernatural now in wrestling has a shelf life. As much as I loved The Fiend, I did. I thought The Fiend was one of the cleverest, cleverest gimmicks we've seen in a long, long time. I think they ruined Bray Wyatt when they didn't push him to the moon from the start. NXT as developmental is their academy system. The major job for an academy system is to produce players to play for the first team. In this case, to produce wrestlers to wrestle for WWE. Half that is creating great players, great wrestlers. The other half is creating great players, great wrestlers who are going to play or wrestle in your team or company style. Okay? So, from that very, very narrow-minded point of view, I can see why maybe Vince McMahon is going, NXT is not doing the job I wanted to do. But if your academy is churning out world-class, and I mean some of the best in the world players at your sport, in this case wrestling, but they just happen to play a little bit of a different style to your first team, your company, change your goddamn style. Change how you play. Because, and in this case, change what your wrestling production looks like because all you're doing is sending unbelievable talent who people want to watch to your competitors, who are going to have to compete against. And there is a reason that NXT has been my favourite brand and the only one I'll watch religiously week in, week out. It's because it's the one I enjoy the most. And now more and more of the wrestlers I enjoy watching are going to end up at AEW, going to end up in Ring of Honor, going to end up in these other places, going to end up in Impact Wrestling. And I'm going to end up watching that because I do not enjoy watching huge men who can't go wrestle because it's not fun especially when I, maybe when I was 10, 11, 12, that's what I enjoyed because I had no alternative. That was all I knew. But now I know there is better wrestling out there. I know there is these smaller guys who work at a rate and work in a style that is so much more fun to watch. So it's just, it seems so narrow-minded to me. And it seems like for some reason, this man has decided he wants to go back to the 1980s style of wrestling where it's just huge men not really working a particularly enjoyable style to watch. Let's play devil's advocate a little bit here. And then we'll come on to the human cost of this. And then we'll come on to the repercussions of what it means for the rest of the business and touch on more of what you're saying there. But WWE did just fine with OVW and FCW uh, back in the day, producing those big men's like John Cena and Batista. And to a lesser degree, because he was a freak athlete, Brock Lesnar. You can see why Vince would go and look at NXT and say, compared to the structure we had before in bringing those people through, it hasn't delivered me a Cena. It hasn't delivered me a Batista. I know I can do that based on what I've done in the past. 
So why aren't you doing it? And given I've given you two, three years of doing it this way, you can see why Vince would go, do you know what? Let's change back. If, if you're that billionaire in Titan Towers, you can't fault his logic, even if you don't agree with it. True, but are you telling me that if you present them correctly on the main roster, you couldn't have as big a stars, not physically, but in the world of wrestling, out of the likes of Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, Karrion Cross, Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, Apollo Crews, even to an extent. Are you telling me? Are you telling me they couldn't? And also, that's the men. You look at the women who have come out of NXT, and it's absolutely lived in stars. Absolutely. You've got your four horsewomen, obviously, but then Paige came out of NXT as well. So the five women who have revolutionised wrestling, really, across the board, have come out of NXT. And then there is a whole list of your whole mid-card, undercard of women wrestlers pretty much came through NXT. So, yeah, it's maybe not doing it on the men's side for what Vince wants, but it could easily create world-class superstars if they presented them right. Like, that's what I don't get. He wants guys who look like and are like John Cena, let's say, for size, for Batista. You've got your huge animal beast in Carrion Cross, and you bring him up and you do that to him with Jeff Hardy. Like, I, I, it, it's so, you're telling me Keith Lee couldn't be your world champion if you presented him right? I got up and I came straight into the living room, didn't look at my phone once. We all knew he was coming, but I didn't want any spoilers. What was it like being up at three by yourself in the living room watching it in the middle of the night? I'm so glad I did it. I'm so yeah. glad I did it. I am Denard. I don't sleep particularly well anyway. So I had about three hours sleep and I set my alarm and I thought I could get an extra hour or I could just get up and do it. And I've never silently marked out before, but it was perfection. And it was just, it's so hard to get something that wrestling fans won't nitpick, right? Because you and I sit here each week and we are broadly sympathetic to both programs, but we, we, we change and we tweak I can't think of a thing, single thing I would have changed. Can you? No, even when, because I thought, are we going to get him talking about any of the roster? And then he talks about Darby Allen and there he is in the rafters with Sting. And it was just perfect. It was, it was, it was, you know, my favourite bit of the whole show was, so Punk finishes, they go away for a commercial break and they come back and they go straight in the crowd. And there was eight middle-aged men, about 40 years old together, who'd clearly in the break, all run out, got their T-shirt and come back and they all had them on and they just looked so happy in their T-shirt. I was like, it's just, it was just so good to see so many people happy. Like 15,000 people in the United Centre just all absolutely over the moon. Like, you saw the man crying and I completely understand why he won't have been the only one in that arena. Like, this is like when Michael Jordan came back to the Chicago Bulls. This is, this is the messiah of wrestling who we never thought was going to come back, coming back. Now, Jesus is the pressure on him when he gets back in that ring. My God. But no one's even talking about that yet because we're just all elated and just enjoying the moment. And I can't remember the last time, probably Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30, so seven years ago, that the whole wrestling fandom was all united in a positive way like this. I think you have to look, because we're all saying it's perfection. It's perfect. You know, because you're an athlete, perfection doesn't just happen. And I was thinking the other day, I was driving somewhere and, and it was still in my head. I could still see the moment. And I was thinking how many things had to fall in line for that moment to be perfection. 
they had to book the United Center. They had to clear the rights to Cult of Personality. They had to get the merchandise right. They had to get the graphics right. They had to stack the show in the right way. They had to create the promotion that Punk would feel comfortable coming back to. And let's not breeze past the fact that CM Punk came back, stood in a ring with a live mic and thousands around him for the first time in seven years, and his promo knocked it out of the park. Now, sure, they're sympathetic to him. Of course they are. But, you know, that doesn't come easy. They had to work to get all that to happen. No, it's a huge, huge, huge credit to everyone behind the scenes at AEW and what, what a coup for them. They can do what WWE haven't been able to do for so, so long now. It's, oh, it was just amazing. And that, that promo, like, he was so clever in the fact he didn't directly have a dig anyone, but he said everything he needed to say. He basically said that he left wrestling in 2005 when he joined WWE. He said, I couldn't go back to the place that made me sick. He's saying WWE made him a person that he clearly has no love for that company. He's almost kind of been the bigger man, going like, I'm not going to name them, but everyone knows who I'm talking about. It was just, oh, it was chef's kiss perfection, wasn't it? It was just pure elation in that building, in that arena. They all got an ice cream bar at the end. I hope, I hope they had 15,000 of those shirts ready to sell because anyone who was at that show and didn't buy one of the shirts said, I was there, I was there on the back. I don't know what they were doing. Paul Heyman just chef's kissed Paul Heyman. He's so slimy and smug. The way he goes from genuinely on his knees worshipping you, my tribal chief, to he just will do what it takes to survive only Paul Heyman. Because then he's in the ring one-on-one with Brock Lesnar and he slips straight back into being Brock Lesnar's advocate, doesn't he? With the big, oh, I didn't realise how much I'd missed. Brock! Till I heard him do it again, I was just sat here smiling. Yeah, Paul Heyman is a storytelling genius. The demon is back. Let's not breeze past that. The demon is probably going to get fed to Roman Reigns. I've seen some disquiet in some corners of social media about the fact that this demon mystique is going to be crushed by Roman Reigns. I, I don't see it that way myself. I think it adds to the match, and I think Finn will be fine losing to Reigns because everyone loses to Reigns at the moment. I don't think it will ruin the demon. It, it's just strange, isn't it? Because we haven't seen him for, what, three, four years, his demon persona. So there'll be people who don't know what this is, who are now fans of who have come back to wrestling or... Roman's title runners got them back into it. It'll be like, what, what the hell is this? Um, they need to do some storytelling around it on Friday night, I think, before we go to Extreme Rules Sunday. Of course he's going to lose. Of course he is. What he needs is to push Roman closer than anyone has before to protect it. It's an Extreme Rules match. I want to see him be really quite brutal with Roman. And the easy way you protect him is you just throw the Usos in and you make it three-on-one at the end. That I need to protect it straight away because I don't care who you are. Three on one, you shouldn't be overcoming the odds. And he can overcome them for two or three minutes to start with. And then the numbers game just become too much for him. And I think you show how dangerous the demon is, you protect Finn, and you still get Roman out of there with the title, which is what you've got to do. Don't you need to keep Roman stronger, though, given Brock is coming up? Doesn't Roman need a strong win? A, a win where Roman relies on the Usos coming up against the strongest babyface that WWE has ever pushed in Brock? Maybe, but Roman has won by where the Usos the whole way through this reign. That's nothing new. That's not he's suddenly clamouring. Roman hasn't been. As much as he has had great wins and he, he um, pinned Edge and Bryan at WrestleMania, he's also won matches because of Jimmy and Jay. So 
he's not new. He will he will do what it takes to win. He doesn't care. He's not standing there being like I have to do it the noble way. So I absolutely see the point, but I don't see any other way that you keep some sort of mystique or protect Finn as well. And you can't is that is that complicated and tricky situation you spoke about, isn't it? Of you build this incredible champion you have, but are you doing it to the sacrifice and the detriment of the rest of your roster at the moment? The first thing we've got to say, and we said this on text, the sad thing is there was a lot of great wrestling that will get forgotten. No one will talk about the Lucha Bros uh, Young Bucks cage match, will they? That the only match that will really be spoken about will be CM Punk's return. The rest is all the debuts. When I woke up on Monday morning and I saw what had happened, it made me think of like a young child at Christmas who his mum and dad is saying, now make sure you don't rush through all your presents. Open one, enjoy it, have time to it, and then move on to the next. The kid's gone, no, I'm opening them all at once. And 99 times out of 100, that goes terribly. But this child, and then in this instance, we're almost the children. We've got every present we wanted. We open them all at once, and we're going to enjoy them for years to come. AEW just went, ah, to hell with it. Have everything, wrestling fans. Here's it all. We're giving you all tonight. You want I... CM Punk's first match in seven years? You can have it. You want Ruby Soho's debut? You can have it. You want Adam Cole's debut? You can have it. Oh, what's that? You want the American Dragon Brian Danielson back as well? Here it is. Happy Christmas. I was getting messages from people who haven't watched wrestling in a long time saying, oh my God, and I have Mondays off. And I said, don't tell me. I want to know how to react. I want to know how to feel. And we spoke on the pod last week and we said, would you have Cole and Danielson at the same time? And I said, no, nah, I'm not sure I would. I had that sensible, smart fan mentality. And what I actually got was was the instinctual reaction of, oh, my God, that's Adam Cole. And oh, my God, it's Brian Danielson. And I wouldn't trade that for the world. It was just an amazing feeling. What they did so well was we all thought we knew what was happening. We all thought Kenny's running down the roster at the end and out comes Brian Danielson. And the lights go out and everyone, everyone in that arena knew who was about to walk out. And then Cole's music is, by the way, a bit of a banger, Adam Cole's new music. Just let's get that out there. That hit and everyone lost their minds. Because I said last week, none of us knew what was happening with Cole. WWE hadn't announced he'd left. No one that, so we didn't know what was going on. We didn't know if he had a non-compete clause. We didn't know how soon he could turn up. So everyone lost their minds. And I think everyone was like, oh, that's the big surprise. We're not getting Danielson. But you know what? That's fine. We think he's coming. And actually, Cole's just as big in a lot of ways. That's huge. And then Kenny's wrapping up. And that just comes in. And the place came unglued. Also, Daniel Bryan looks class. Sorry, Bryan Danielson. Got to call him that name now. That little top-notch shaved head combo, him and Brock are both rocking it, and they, it works. It's one of those moments I was trying to think when wrestling has had anything like it, and people will draw parallels with Scott Hall and Kevin Nash week after week. This, to me, feels bigger than that. This, to me, feels like a different sort of moment, not because the invasion and the outsiders wasn't big. Of course it was. But this just feels like... I, I don't know where AEW goes next. I don't know. We fantasy book on this show. I'm looking at all this talent going, I don't know what happens next. Well, I'm, um, I saw Punk's tweet where he said, we're not um, Hall and Nash. We're not Hulk Hogan. This is very different. But in a lot of ways, this is bigger. 
and this is because I see, I see people keep trying to draw parallels between WCW and AEW, but I just think it's so different. They're not getting washed up, WWE guys. This isn't like we had this conversation again. Jack and I, amazingly, Jack and I talk a lot about wrestling, not on this podcast. <laughs> uh, this isn't washed up vets who are looking for one more payday. This isn't guys past their prime. This is the guy who main evented WrestleMania last year. This is the guy that Vince was bending over backwards to try and keep in WWE. This is the guy that for seven years WWE could not bring back for love and money. Because you see, Punk's quotes were saying, if I was there for money, I would have I would have main evented WrestleMania three years in a row. Like the offers were there. I never wanted to do it. This is this is game changing because these are people who WWE want to keep and can't. And that is that is huge. Like like you said about people messaging you with um that you hadn't spoken to an age about wrestling. I had one. Uh, my old physio from Jersey, who's a very, very, very lapsed wrestling fan. Now and again, when big happens. And he just texts me and he said, WWE are done. He said, I know now where I'll go to watch wrestling when I want to. When I want a little fix of wrestling, which maybe happens once every other month for him. Big show, he'll be like, oh, I need a fix. He's like, I'm not touching WWE. How much NXT 2.0 have you been watching? It's okay to say none. Yeah, not much. Not much. I just... Yeah, just not much. There's, there's better wrestling to watch now. Dynamite is better. Raw and SmackDown are a bit better. Again, there are things happening. But it just, just didn't think it needed to change. That's the big thing. I didn't think it needed it. Like, I just uh, I see all the colours. And I'm like, I don't want to see all the colours. And yeah, <laughs> I, I keep up track of what's going on. But it's not my NXT. So this is interesting to me because I'm fascinated. Because WWE had its logic. Whether you agree with it or you disagree with it. They had a reason to do it. I'm wondering who they think they've bought in to replace you because if you as the biggest nxt booster i knew and the guy who would sell nxt to your rugby mates and and whoever now can't really make the time for it i'm curious who they're getting in to replace you i don't think they care i think they're all about getting better talent for their main roster shows they think that's what's going to do do a better job for them i think they they want it to be fully developmental again and they think actually if people watch that's great but this this brand's job is to develop talent now You'd argue that the way you get people invested in them on the main roster is get them invested in them on the on NXT. Like you, some of the biggest pops were for call ups, weren't they? Like remember the one that always gets when Enzo and Cass got called up, the noise in there, and that's because people were invested in NXT. Now say what you want about how the main roster then treated NXT talent, and you can say a lot because it was terrible. But you would get a spike in viewership because people wanted to see what these people they were already invested in were going to do on the biggest show in wrestling. So don't really understand it i don't i don't see how you have to rebrand it to do this what I, they could have just fed in a few more developmental talent to wrestle the garganos the champers the duns of this world like the more established stars i think they could have got the same aim without losing fans by rebranding it just seems it seems a strange but now before i say this vince mcmahon is a better businessman than i am is a better business than i ever will be knows wrestling he's forgotten more about wrestling this morning than i know that's just a fact i don't get the business in this i don't understand how it makes sense i also think that what you had with nxt as it was was a bona fide shot in the arm wherever you needed it because wwe needs to generate excitement if you're AEW and you're bringing across talent boom suddenly it's exciting if you're wwe nxt was a rival you owned. It was almost what they were trying to do with Raw and SmackDown. 
And they had it. They had this genuine thing. And it, yes, it would frustrate us when Vince would or whoever would pluck a person out of NXT willy nilly. But it was a bona fide, exciting thing to do. And they've taken this brand that even up against Dynamite, so many people still loved. And it's just become an irrelevance in my mind and your mind. And we consume more than an average amount of wrestling each week. It just isn't part of the conversation. 2018 was the best year of NXT. If you watch 2018 NXT, I, I would challenge you to find a better calendar year of episodic weekly wrestling anywhere. It was just phenomenal. But was it 2017 or 2018 where the main roster got stuck in Saudi and NXT had to um, invade SmackDown to keep a SmackDown show going? And then that fed into the NXT Survivor Series yeah. where they changed... That was Adam Cole won and NXT kind of won the night, but no one kept score. That was brilliant. I just think it was such a story to be told with an NXT invasion of we don't want to be called up because it doesn't go well. We're going to take over. And there was just, I think there were so many stories that could have been told. And that that NXT roster, that 2017-18 roster was just something else. Um, I just think a massive, massive opportunity was missed there. We're going to open the show with the match you all want with Danielson versus Omega. And I said it on Twitter. Dream matches never, ever deliver. They're too hyped. Think uh, Nakamura styles at WrestleMania 34. There is too much hype around that. Even if you have a good match, you can't deliver on the hype. And somehow, Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson delivered on the hype and more. They were just phenomenal, weren't they? Genuinely phenomenal. From the moment that show started, and I think you can tell as a wrestling fan in the UK how excited you are by how much you're willing to tolerate spoilers. I don't know a single wrestling fan who didn't stay off social media to avoid the spoilers. And I got up early, turned on the television. And if that 40 minutes from the opening of AEW Grand Slam to the end of that match doesn't get you excited about wrestling, I don't know what will, because that is it. They did this amazing thing and Bully Ray said it much better than I ever could. And I've shared it on social media. If you haven't seen the clip, go and watch him talking on um, Bust Open about this. With half an hour of wrestling, they did this amazing thing where they made me think, in a half-hour match, I haven't seen enough of those two wrestling each other. I need more. I need 60 minutes. I need a no-time limit. I need something. like I don't like screwy finishes, but the draw made perfect sense. And I know they definitely could have, and we spoke about it, announced the time a bit louder or put the clock on the screen. But actually, I think not doing it, the more I've thought about it, it was a bit of a genius move because that half-hour flew by. And actually, until... About a minute to go, when I heard them say one minute remaining, the thought of a draw hadn't even crossed my mind. So I wasn't, whereas if that time then you see it clocking down below five, below three, you're like, oh, this could be a time draw. That didn't cross our minds. We were just enjoying the wrestling. And then we got that finish. And now we need more. And I tell you what we didn't have. We didn't have multiple false finishes. We didn't have multiple dives. We didn't have all the traditional bells and whistles, which are associated with the, quote, AEW style, what we got was really, really interesting storytelling, working a body part, picking someone over, playing to the crowd. It was almost old school, in a way. Yeah, it was, it changed, didn't it? It transitioned, like, through the match from old school, more maybe brutal and systematic wrestling to those last two minutes were just non-stop, weren't they? I can't think of a spot that hasn't involved weapons, that hasn't involved high-risk dives, things like that, that made me go, 
all profanity, more than that snapdragon on the ramp. Oh my God, that was horrible, but brilliant. But look, brutal. I had a conversation with, I've got to start remembering people's names on Twitter. Someone on Twitter <laughs> who was saying he really didn't enjoy it and didn't like seeing uh, Brian Danielson take these bumps because of his head and because of his past history. And it's a very good point because we all know Danielson's history with concussion. We all know we almost lost him to the wrestling world forever. When you watch him do his flying headbutts or anything where he takes a rough landing on his head and neck, it's worrying. But all I, all I can say from being in a sporting industry and thinking about it is there are people whose job it is to assess that and decide whether he can do these things who are much more qualified than us. And don't for a second, especially with the family he has, don't for a second think he'd be doing things that it wasn't safe for him to do is all I'd say on that. So that's what I have to remind myself when I'm watching is he has been assessed. This is safe. This is as safe as it can be. There's always risk to anything, but he's no more at risk than other people doing that. But oh, it was a brutal spot, wasn't it? So there we are. Interesting to hear some of that back, isn't it? Um, not the episode we were planning on bringing you this week, as you know, as we've already explained, but uh, I quite enjoyed that. We sort of had our hand forced to do something like that, but it was fascinating to sort of relive our reaction to CM Punk returning to wrestling and Adam Cole and Brian Danielson making the jump to AEW and Brock against Finn and the NXT changes reminds us what a big week, uh, what a big year, excuse me, it has been in professional wrestling. So thank you for bearing with us here on Earning the Push. When you do have a co-host who is a professional athlete, injuries will happen. We work around them as best as we can. We hope that this episode is to your liking. If it is, rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from and share a bit of love on social media. If you are on social and you're squeamish, don't look at that picture of Charlie's bottom lip because it was pretty painful to see. Lord knows how it felt to him uh, to experience. I'm sure we'll find out all about it next week when the podcast returns to normal. But until then, thank you very much for joining us here on Earning the Push. I'm Jack Murley, and on behalf of a still-injured Charlie Beckett, we'll see you again next week when things return to normal. Until then, bye-bye. <laughs>